I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 37 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Oh my goodness, how is it that we are already into August? Like seriously, July to me was a total blur and it really seems like just yesterday we were back at the beginning of June kicking off our Stellar Teacher Summer Series, which was so much fun. I would love if I could really be able to share all of the fun and exciting things I did this summer, but as someone whose full-time job it is to support teachers, the summer really is my busiest time of year. Uh, And so I kind of want to vicariously live through you. So I really hope that you have been able to take some time for self-care this summer. Maybe you've read some books. Maybe you were able to sit by the pool, go take a trip to see some family or friends or whatever it is. I would love to hear what you've been up to this summer. I know that I've connected with so many of you in our upper elementary reading teachers Facebook group and all of our new members inside the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. But if you have been listening to this podcast for a while and happen to take a break for the summer, just check in with me and let me know what you have been up to. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. I seriously love hearing from you guys. And not that I want to pop your summer happiness bubble. But really, August to me has always represented the beginning of the back to school season. And I kind of like it. I always nerded out over the beginning of the school year. I love when it was time to start prepping my bulletin boards and thinking about my classroom decor theme and just everything back to school to me was always so much fun. And this is always the time of year that I would start to inventory my classroom library. I would think about what I wanted to do for math centers. I would think about, you know, like I said, my classroom decor, my door decorations, important things. And I always think about this. I haven't done this in years, but when I was in the classroom every year at the start of August, before I had to officially report to school, which was usually sometime around like August 11th or 12th, 
But I would always watch the entire series of Grey's Anatomy. I owned them on DVD. This, I feel like, dates me a little bit um, because who watches DVDs anymore? But I would watch the entire series of Grey's Anatomy. I would always start at season one, season two, season three. And while that is playing in the background, I would do all of my back-to-school prep. I would write the students' names on their notebooks. I would make all of my labels for my library. I would inventory my library, whatever it is that I was doing. And every year, I always added on more time to my back-to-school prep season because I had another season of Grey's Anatomy that I have to finish. So I'm not sure if you have any sort of back-to-school rituals like that, but that's one of the things that I always did. And I honestly looked forward to it. And so if you are starting to think about back-to-school, And if you are in the season of prep all of the things, I wanted to take some time today to share with you my five must-have resources for every upper elementary reading teacher. And I wanted to do this episode for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you happen to be listening to this live the date that it airs, Monday, August 2nd, then maybe you've heard that Teachers Pay Teachers is getting ready to do their big back-to-school site-wide sale. And that is happening tomorrow, Tuesday, August 3rd, and Wednesday, August 4th. Now, if you happen to miss this live, don't worry, there's usually a bonus sale sometimes toward the end of August or throughout the year. But if you are catching this live, there is going to be a big sale. And I know teachers are wanting to stock up on all things back to school. So I wanted to share some of my must-have resources. I also know that this is the time of year that teachers are starting to think, okay, what new things do I need to have? What extra resources do I want to add? How can I find things that are going to be effective and engaging for my students? So if you are a longtime listener of my show, then you know that I am all about teaching reading in a way that is both effective and engaging. And honestly, sometimes it can be really hard to know exactly what resources, especially if we're looking on Pinterest or Teachers Pay Teachers, is going to help us create that student-centered reading block that is effective and engaging. And so I kind of wanted to share with you, here are the types of resources that you should look for or search for during the back-to-school season. And of course, I have these available in my Teachers Pay Teachers store, but I am not the only one that sells these types of resources. So I just kind of wanted to alert you to some, what I would consider essential resources for upper elementary reading teachers. Now, before I share with you the very specific resources, that I think are gonna help you teach reading this next year, there are a couple sort of questions that you should ask yourself when you are looking to buy reading resources, especially on TPT. And the first thing that you really wanna consider is, does this resource encourage students to read authentic texts? Now, I know that reading passages are sort of play a role in upper elementary classrooms, and I even have reading, reading passages in my membership and in my TPT store. And so they are definitely a valuable teaching tool, but we do not want to rely solely on reading passages to help our students learn how to read. And so primarily what we want to look for is a resource that is going to encourage students to read authentic texts, something that they can then apply to, engage, whatever it is that they're reading, this resource will encourage them to do that. The other thing that you want to do, or the sort of next question you want to ask yourself, is you want to consider, will this resource help students deepen their understanding of reading? And this is where we kind of want to avoid any of those sort of fluffy surface level resources. And we really want to provide, especially in upper elementary, we want to provide our students with resources that's going to help them deepen their understanding of reading, They're deepen their understanding of comprehension skills, that it's not they're just understanding the definition of something or, you know, how to do it, but they are really starting to understand the text structure. They're understanding, you know, the nuances of plot structure. They're understanding characters at a much deeper level. They learn how to ask really meaningful questions. They question the author. They learn how to make connections that go beyond those surface level connections. And so you want to make sure that the resources you are purchasing 
is going to help deepen your students' understanding of reading. You also want to consider if this resource is going to give your students an opportunity for an open-ended response. And the reason why we want to look for resources that are open-ended is because the reading experience and the reading process is unique for every single student. And even though we test our students with multiple choice questions at the end of the year, that does not mean that that is a best practice. And we want to try to, if possible, avoid overkill with multiple choice resources throughout the year. And ultimately, what we want to do is give students the opportunity to be able to share their opinions, to be able to share their interpretation, their evaluation. We want them to be able to really develop their reading identity. And the way we do that is by providing them, whether it is with questions or prompts or response activities that are completely open-ended and will look different depending on the student and what it is that they are reading. And so, again, that's something you want to consider. Is this resource going to encourage an open-ended response from my students? And then kind of the last thing you just want to ask when you're looking at resources, and this answer is honestly going to be completely different for every teacher, depending on how you have your reading block set up, but you really want to consider, is this resource going to be both effective and engaging in my classroom? And like I said, that looks different for every single classroom. Some teachers choose to do reading centers. Some teachers don't. Some teachers like to have pre-made anchor charts. Some teachers don't. Some teachers like to have students in book clubs or do book docs, and all of that is preference. There are so many ways that you can create a highly effective reading block, but you do want to take a minute and just kind of consider, can this resource be something that is both effective and engaging in your classroom the way that you have reading set up? So hopefully those are just some questions that you can sort of run the resources through as you're considering to stock up during this back-to-school season. Now, let me go ahead and jump in and tell you the five resources that I really think are essential must-haves for upper elementary reading teachers' classrooms. None of these, honestly, here's the thing, first of all, full disclosure, none of these are going to be a surprise to you because I've talked about a lot of these on the podcast before or during the summer series, but I want to explain to you why I consider them to be must-haves. So the first one is a set of anchor charts that will help you teach the specific objectives and skills for your grade level. So whether that is, you know, reading anchor charts, genre anchor charts, things about text features, text structure, the elements of fiction, Whatever that specifically is, I love having anchor charts and I love having the pre-made ones. And here is why I consider this a must-have resource. First of all, if you have an anchor chart that is already pre-made, it has the language on there, it has the content on there, that is going to help you keep your mini lessons mini, okay, for a couple reasons. First of all, the language as far as how are you going to communicate this specific skill or objective to your students. So if you're talking to your students about making inferences or asking questions or the text structure, more than likely that anchor chart already has some of those key phrases and keywords that your students need to know. So the language is already given to you, which is going to help you keep your mini lesson concise because you're not going to ramble on, you're not going to be long-winded. And also if the anchor chart is already created for you, you're going to save time because you're not having to make it with your students in the moment. Now, this is a personal preference. Some teachers like to make their anchor charts. I think that you can be just as effective using a ready-to-go anchor chart versus making them with your students. Plus, having an anchor chart to use as part of your mini lesson is really going to keep you focused on one specific objective. If you're bringing in two or three anchor charts to your lesson, that's a key that it's or a clue that your lesson is going too big and too broad. So having one anchor chart helps you keep your lesson focused And you can also give your students a copy to place in their journals, so that way they have something to reference to after the lesson. And here's maybe one of the main reasons why I would consider this to be a must-have. It is going to save you so much time. 
I remember literally Friday afternoons, I would take, I would go home, I would take a giant like pad of chart paper with me and my, you know, markers, the, the chart paper markers. I'd often use the smelly ones as well. And I would spend Friday afternoon and Saturday creating anchor charts for the next week. And it would take me forever. And I want you to think about all the ways that you can save time. Because the more time you can save out of the classroom planning and prepping, that is going to give you more energy to focus on the important things, and that is teaching your students. So anchor charts really are a must-have in upper elementary classrooms. And in case you didn't really know how to use them or you haven't created you know, your vision for anchor charts in your classroom or if you're new to using printed anchor charts, a couple of things that you can use them. I obviously mentioned the mini lessons. They work great as a visual. And honestly, I would just print. I usually wouldn't make mine large. I would just print a regular eight and a half by 11 page and either put that under the document camera to show my students or I loved having my students come to the carpet and it you know would be large enough to where they can see it but then this is where if you give them a copy of it afterwards they can always go back and reference it and when they're smaller you can also put them on like a reading focus wall you can put them in your classroom library they can go up on a bulletin board so it's easy to display kind of the skills that you're currently working on I also like storing them in a binder. And if you um, have them in a binder, you can either keep them at your small groups and almost use it as an easel for your small group lessons, or you can even put that binder next to like your reading centers. Or if you're doing a research center, you can have it there so that way students can go back and reference them. So anchor charts, definite must have. Make sure you stock up on them during this back to school season. Now, the next one, similar to an anchor chart, but it is different, and that is strategy cards. I love strategy cards. And maybe you're thinking, okay, what is a strategy card? And a strategy card is kind of like a mini anchor chart, but it is created for the purpose of the students. It is really designed with the student's independent use and independent practice in mind. And I always create my strategy cards to be about a quarter page. And it includes whether it is the questions that students need to answer, the process they need to go through, a reminder of what that specific skill is. And it is basically a a tool, a reference material that students can look at after the lesson if they have forgotten. And this is why it is a must-have. So one, it helps students build their independence and their confidence when they're trying to apply or master a specific skill. And here's the thing. I talked about this a lot this summer, and let me just remind you again, that mastery does not happen after one whole group lesson or even after a handful of small group reinforcement lessons. Mastery happens for our students when they have continuous opportunities to practice and apply what it is that you are teaching them. But here's the thing. Sometimes they're not going to remember exactly what it is that you've taught them. If you gave your students a lesson on, you know, character analysis or making inferences and you talk about the process they go through, you share the questions that they're supposed to ask, you tell them exactly what it is that they're supposed to do. If it's a couple weeks later and they haven't practiced that skill in a a while, or maybe they forgot the exact questions or the exact step-by-step process, they're going to forget. But if they have a strategy card, they can go back and look at it and they're going to be reminded of the exact things they need to know to be able to apply that to their independent reading. So strategy cards are just a great way to reinforce the skills and objectives you are teaching. And so students can continually remind them of that all throughout the year. I like to use them. So the way I like to use strategy cards is I like to put them on like a book ring. So a mini ring. I like to make the quarter quarter sheets. I usually print them on cardstock and I punch a hole in the corner and I put them on a ring and I like to let students build their strategy ring throughout the year. So after you teach a lesson, you will give your students one strategy card. So they start the year with really zero cards. And after the first week, maybe they have like two cards or maybe three cards. 
And all throughout the year, you're going to add to the strategy ring. So that way they are never given an entire ring where they have to search through and try to figure out what what strategy am I looking for? How do I use this? What do all of these mean? It's not overwhelming. They are building this resource tool all throughout the year. And that way they become very familiar with where the strategy cards are located. They can easily go back and reference only the ones that you have taught them. And you can even be really specific and only give students the cards that they need to practice. Once they've really mastered and internalized a specific skill, you can remove that from their strategy ring. So I love that it can be a sort of grow with me tool that you can have your students create all throughout the year. Now, I also like to create a few extra strategy rings that I will keep at my small group table to reference during strategy lessons or guided reading lessons. And I also like to have them next to the computers or library or really anywhere students might need to be reminded of a skill or strategy you have taught them. So strategy cards are such a great tool for your students. It really, I feel like, is one of those guided support resources that is going to help them on their process or on their journey of mastering the skill. So strategy cards, if you've never used them, try them out this year. I have a set in my Teachers Pay Teacher store. Of course, we'll link to those in the show notes. And if you are part of the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership, there's a strategy card for every objective you will be teaching. So you will be set. Now, the third must-have resource is graphic organizers. And again, this is not like anything new, but this is why they are a must-have. Now, first of all, a graphic organizer is really any sort of any sort of response sheet that helps students visually see the ideas in a text. So a lot of times, maybe it'll be like a flowchart, or maybe it'll be like a timeline, or, you know, a Venn diagram, or some sort of, like I said, just a visual cue that has boxes and arrows and connections where students can fill in those boxes with information from the text. And like I said, it's a way to help students visually organize their thinking about a text. And the reason why I think graphic organizers are a must-have is because they are such a good sort of stepping stone between students reading independently and completing a written response. Sometimes it is hard for students to, whether we're asking them to write a summary, if we're asking them to write a book report or even a book review, if we're asking them to do any sort of written response, even if it is just a question, and I know constructed response is becoming a bigger deal on state tests, but a constructed response even in itself can be overwhelming for students. But if we start with reading, and before we get to any sort of writing about reading, we put a graphic organizer in the middle, it is a great segue to help students feel confident in their ability to respond to a text. And part of the reasons why I like graphic organizers is because students don't have to write and complete sentences in order to successfully fill out a graphic organizer. They can start with just words. They can start with phrases. Sometimes they can even sketch out their ideas. And so it just helps students, especially if you have students who are struggling readers, it can help them feel much more confident in their ability to respond to reading. And one of the ways that I like to give my students a graphic organizer, especially at the start of the year, is using a very mini graphic organizer template that is printed on a sticky note. I love giving students sticky notes. I think it's magical to have a sticky note with just this tiny little graphic organizer template. But part of the reason why I love using sticky notes for graphic organizers is because the space is small. So now our students are not overwhelmed by the fact that they have to write this huge long response. And they're not even overwhelmed by the fact that they have a huge whole page graphic organizer. They just see this small little three inch by three inch sticky note with a tiny little graphic organizer, whether that is a small Venn diagram, a cause and effect chart, a main idea with, you know, three spaces for supporting details. 
But the amount of text that they have to put in that space is so small. So again, it's not overwhelming, but we are starting to train them and starting to help them realize that when we read, we want to respond to a reading, we want to organize our thoughts, and we can do that in a very small sort of space. So like I said, graphic organizers, especially sticky notes, are a great way to scaffold towards helping students write in-depth response sheets. It's kind of like how we build stamina for students responding to reading. I always talk about how when our students are reading independently, we want to build their stamina. So we start with 10 minutes and then 11 minutes and 12 minutes, and eventually we work our way up to 40 minutes. Well, the same is true with responding to reading. On the very first day of school, we don't want to give our students this super long reading response assignment or ask them to summarize everything that they've written or write this huge in-depth report or answer these five questions because that's going to be overwhelming. So we want to slowly build their stamina in how they respond to reading, and graphic organizers is a great way to start with that. A couple ways that you can use that if you have never looked at graphic organizers sort of in, through this lens, a couple things that you can do is one, start with sticky notes during independent reading and then work your way up to a full graphic organizer and then use that as a bridge. Once they've completed a graphic organizer, they can use that information to help sort of guide their constructive response. It is almost like their outline. You could use graphic organizers as part of your homework routine. It could be part of your independent reading. You could use it during small group lessons. Really, anytime students are reading, you could also give them the option of a graphic organizer. You could have it part of your reading centers. You could give graphic organizers to parents to support their students at home. Like I said, anytime students are reading, you can give them the option of a graphic organizer, and it's just a good way to help them build that confidence and their ability to respond to reading. So graphic organizers, definitely a must-have. My fourth must-have resource is giving your students thinking stems and question prompts that are specific to the skills you are teaching. This could be as simple as giving them a bookmark that has thinking stems on it. You could give them two questions that they have to choose between and respond to in their journals. You could give them even a like a strategy ring or a card, you know, a, a quarter sheet of paper that has questions written out on it that they can ask. So anytime that we are giving our students questions or thinking stems, the reason why I consider this a must-have is because giving our students these tools is one of the best ways to give them a process or something to do independently. Our whole goal of teaching reading is to help our students apply what it is we're teaching to their independent reading. And sometimes that is a challenge for students. Sometimes they don't know how to make inferences or they don't know how to identify the main idea. They don't know how to you know, figure out the plot structure. They don't know how to write a summary. But if we can give them a set of questions that are connected to this skill and they're scaffolded, they are naturally going to want to find the answer. That is like the beautiful thing about a question. When we ask a question and we sit with it, our brains are like, okay, what is the answer to this? How can I find the answer? And so if you have students that struggle to apply specific skills to their independent reading, give them questions connected to that skill. Because when you give them those questions, they are now given a starting point to figure out the answer. So so often students maybe struggle with independent reading, if especially if you know, at the end of the mini lesson, we sort of give them their call to action. And we say, when you sit down to read today, I want you to make sure that you are analyzing the characters in the story. And a student might say, I have no idea where to begin with that. What do I even do? I know that analyzing characters, I'm supposed to pay close attention to them. I heard you talk about, you know, their actions, their feelings, all of this stuff. But now that I'm sitting independently, I'm lost. And so 
giving them very specific questions is sort of that starting point. They're no longer lost. They know, okay, I need to answer these three questions. I need to ask myself, what is the character feeling? What is the character thinking? What are, what is the most important character action? You know, whatever it is that we're asking them to do, give them questions. And then when they look for the answers, it's kind of like they're naturally starting to practice those skills that we want them to master. You're telling them what to think about when they are reading by giving them questions or thinking stems. So Again, kind of like we talked about this with the strategy lesson or the strategy cards, how this, that is a tool that you can use for the guided support that gets your students to mastery. Questions and thinking stems are the same way. It is one tool that is a kind of like a a form of guided support that is going to help your students master those skills throughout the year. So such a great tool, definitely a must have. Again, how can you use them? You could give them to your students during independent reading. So they could have a set of question stems Maybe they're written in their journal on the front of their on the front of their reading journal, or maybe they have a ring with questions, or maybe you give them a bookmark that has questions you want them to ask for the week, or maybe they have a choice board that has them. So it could be part of their independent reading. It could be part of their homework. You could use question stems during your read aloud discussion. So you can even use your read aloud to model to your students how do you use thinking stems or question stems to your students. You could use them during book clubs. I love giving students thinking stems or question prompts during book clubs because especially if we're trying to get our book clubs to be independent and have our students really facilitate those independently, when we're giving them questions to discuss, they feel empowered that they can do this on their own without our support. So those are just some ways that you can use thinking stems and question prompts in your classroom. And then the last must-have resource, I would say, in an upper elementary classroom is find yourself a set of skill-based reading task cards. And maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, you just said in the beginning that we want to look for resources that encourage students to read picture books and chapter books and real texts. And yes, (laughs) we definitely want to do that. But here's the thing. It is also important that we are making sure that our students are practicing and applying the skills that we are teaching. And when we give our students the open-ended choice, when we let them choose their independent reading texts, we cannot always guarantee that they are going to be practicing the skills that we are teaching during our mini lessons. But if you have a set of skill-based reading task cards, you have very short bite-sized texts that you can offer to your students as a form of practice that is not gonna take away a ton of time from the independent reading that they have chosen. So like I said, even though these task cards aren't necessarily authentic texts, picture books, chapter books, articles, whatever it is that your students are choosing to read, you can still use them in a meaningful way that supports students' reading of authentic texts. You could use them as part of your small group strategy lessons. They could become part of your reading center. You could even use these task cards as part of your homework assignment. You could use them as a short assessment at the end of the week or at the end of the unit. This is the reason why I like the task cards is they're short. Most of the time, they're going to be a half page, a third of a page, a quarter of a page. So we are not giving our students an entire huge long page, three, you know, three passages with basically a practice test in order to see if they've mastered the skill. It's a short, little, quick text to read and to apply whatever the one bite-sized teaching point is. So the skill-based reading task cards can make it really easy for you to guarantee as a teacher and feel confident in your ability to make sure your students are practicing the skills you are teaching, but also give your students enough time to read those real authentic texts that we want them to read. So hopefully that makes sense. And now let me go back and recap the five resources. So the five must-have resources that I feel like you really want to make sure you have in your classroom this next year are pre-made anchor charts. They're going to save you time. Strategy cards. They're going to really help with student independence and confidence. Graphic organizers, those are great to help scaffold our students on the way to responding to reading. 
Thinking stems and question prompts, that's, again, another form of guided support that's going to help our students, you know, learn how to master those skills we're teaching them. And then the skill-based reading task cards. And that's really going to help you as a teacher feel confident that you are giving your students opportunities to practice the skills that you are teaching. Now, maybe you've noticed that pretty much all of these resources I said and I mentioned and how you could use them, that they really could be used for the same type of things. They could be used for independent reading. They could be used during small group lessons. They could be used as part of your assessment, as part of homework. And the reason why I suggested all of these resources is I love having resources that work in all parts of my reading block because it makes it easier for me. It sort of streamlines my instruction, knowing if I have a set of task cards and I can use it for like I said, all of those, you know, whole group, small group, independent practice homework, same thing with the graphic organizers or the thinking stems, all of a sudden I've eliminated the number and the types of resources I'm having to find. But more importantly, our students are seeing the same type of resource pop up during all parts of their reading block. And the more our students become familiar with these resources and the more practice they get using them, the easier it's going to be for them to really sort of get the full potential out of that specific resource because they're not learning how to use the resource. They then can use it as an actual tool to help learn how to grow in that specific reading area. So hopefully that makes sense. Now, Like I said, for the most part, all of these resources that I just shared with you do hit that criteria that I shared at the beginning of what to look for when purchasing resources during this back-to-school season on Teachers Pay Teachers. And let me just sort of remind you of kind of things you want to consider when doing your back-to-school shopping. And one, you want to make sure that it encourages students to read authentic texts when possible. You want to make sure that these resources help students deepen their understanding of reading. You want to make sure that the resources are encouraging student responses to be open-ended. And you want to be able to envision how you, as the teacher, can use this resource in both an effective and engaging way. So hopefully now you have a list of resources that you can go shopping for, especially if you are listening to this episode live. Do not forget that tomorrow, Tuesday, August 3rd, and Wednesday, August 4th, Teachers Pay Teachers is having their annual back-to-school sale, which means you can get any resource in my store and most other stores for 25% off. So if you do not have these resources that I listed, now would be a great time to go stock up on them. And if you do already have a set of anchor charts or graphic organizers or task cards, then hopefully now you kind of have some new ideas on how you can use them in your reading classroom this next year. And if anything, hopefully you feel a little bit more confident that you have resources that are going to help you create that highly effective and engaging reading block. So as we continue to get ready for this back to school season, I hope that you will tune in week after week. I've got some great content planned for you over the next couple of weeks. And next week, I am so excited about this episode. It has been one that I have had teachers asking for all summer long. And next week, I will be sharing all about my first three weeks of reading workshop. I will be sharing exactly what I teach and the things that you really can consider as you get ready to set up your classroom for success for this next year. It is going to be a great episode and you will not want to miss it. So I hope I will see you next week. And until then, I hope you guys have an absolutely stellar week. I will talk to you next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, It would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 